Welcome to Defiant Health Radio, a place where you can count on hearing about the truth in health, uncolored by interests of big pharma, the generally misplaced motivations of healthcare and doctors, just ideas and strategies that work safely, effectively, and inexpensively. I'm your host, Dr. William Davis, cardiologist and author of the Wheat Belly and Undoctored books, and now my newest book, Super Gut, a book that gives you a blueprint on rebuilding a healthy microbiome to take back control over weight, health, and aging. I've previously discussed this important micronutrient, iodine, but I fear the message has not gotten through to many people. So let's tackle it again, highlighting just what a huge public health problem iodine deficiency was for most of human history until recently. But now, due to misguided modern dietary advice, deficiency of this important micronutrient is making a comeback. And with it, thyroid problems and all the associated challenges that accompany a failing thyroid gland. Later in the podcast, let's talk about Defiant Health sponsor, Paleo Valley. Their fermented grass-fed beef sticks, bone broth protein rich in collagen, Organic super greens and low-carb superfood bars have among the cleanest ingredient lists in the industry. They are also expanding their wild pastures service that delivers 100% grass-fed and finished pastured meats from a regenerative family farm right to your door. And they have more recently introduced some interesting new products, including chocolate-flavored grass-fed bone broth protein, grass-fed organ complex in capsule form, and for the fall season, pumpkin spice superfood bars with grass-fed bone broth protein. I'd also like to introduce a revolutionary and unique product for skin health that I personally formulated called gut to glow a combination of the probiotic microbe Lactobacillus ruteri that many of you already know about, combined with other ingredients all designed to maximize benefits such as smoother skin with reduced wrinkle depth. I call this episode of Defiant Health Podcast, A Brief History of Iodine. Now, I've talked about iodine in the past, and I've stressed just how important it is for overall health, including thyroid health. But I fear there are still so many people who don't really know that iodine is an essential micronutrient. Just like vitamin C. If you don't get vitamin C because you've been avoiding citrus fruits and broccoli and other foods containing vitamin C you're going to get scurvy. You're going to develop big open sores on your skin. Your joints deteriorate and fall apart. Well, you go to the best orthopedic surgeon or plastic surgeon to have those things surgically repaired, but wouldn't it be smarter just to get the vitamin C, that the lack of vitamin C that caused this problem to emerge? Same thing here. If you don't get iodine, an essential micronutrient, bad things happen. Now, I fear that most people have forgotten just what a huge public health problem iodine deficiency was for thousands and thousands of years for humans. In fact, iodine deficiency has been a problem for humans for as long as our species has walked this planet. To remind you just how bad this problem was, I urge you to take a look. Next time you're in a museum or looking at old pictures of old artwork, look at statues from ancient Egypt or ancient Greece, or ancient Rome, you'll be surprised at how many of them show goiters, sometimes grotesque. Goiters are enlarged thyroid glands on the front of the neck that you can see as a bulge and sometimes as a huge mass. You'll see in some pictures of goiters that it's as large as a baseball, a softball, or even a basketball, massively disfiguring. 
And this was everywhere. If you take a look at paintings from the Renaissance period in Europe, you'll see numerous instances of people showing goiters, sometimes subtle, sometimes grotesque. While this occurred all throughout human history, it continued into the 20th century. Now, the problems did not end at developing this mass called a goiter in a large thyroid gland. Because the enlarged thyroid gland meant you did not get iodine in your diet, you have hypothyroidism and all the associated phenomena with that condition, such as developing cold hands and feet, being very tired, gaining weight, massive retention of water or edema, high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, especially congestive heart failure. There was impairment of mental capacity, depression, often deafness. In its more advanced phases, you develop something called myxedema. After you've gained a large quantity of weight, you're barely functional, probably sleeping between 14 and 20 hours per day, have massive edema, dry skin, and you develop congestive heart failure and you die. Or you might go into a coma called a myxedema coma. This was a problem that was rampant all throughout human history on every continent. In fact, there are entire villages, particularly in the mountainous areas of Europe and Asia, where everyone in that village stood about three to four feet tall, had a very low IQ, had peculiar facial features, were often deaf, and died young. These people were labeled Cretans before that word took on the derogatory meaning it has today. Well, as long ago as about 3000 BC, Chinese physicians noticed that people who consumed seaweed or other foods from the ocean saw their goiters shrink. Likewise, famous Greek physician Hippocrates and Galen made similar observations that when people consumed seaweed or seafood, their goiters would recede. Unfortunately, these observations remained only that, observations, and were not adopted widely. Until many years later, in the 19th century, about 1823, there was a French physician who applied dried seaweed and sponges and gave it to people who had goiters. That yielded a very large quantity of iodine of 165 milligrams, or 165,000 micrograms, but it worked. He saw many people have their goiters recede. Now, unfortunately, some of his compatriots, other physicians, also given this megadose iodine to other people, did see adverse effects. We now know, of course, that not all goiters are due to lack of iodine. Some goiters are due to Hashimoto's thyroiditis or to Graves' disease, the two autoimmune diseases of the thyroid, or could be due to a multinodular goiter, which is a, the result of long-standing iodine deficiency, and you develop nodules, and some of them overreact to iodine. So, of course, in that time period, these distinctions were not understood, and so some people regarded iodine as poison. And so it never really caught on in a widespread manner, though it was used in Switzerland, where goiters were a very, very serious problem, uh, labeled endemic goiter, because so many people had a goiter in that region. In the U.S., a doctor named Dr. David Marine, working in Cleveland, Ohio, noticed that neighborhood dogs had goiters. He studied these dogs, found that their thyroid glands, the enlarged thyroid glands, had less iodine content than normal thyroid glands. He also noted that if given iodine, the dogs would experience a reduction or relief from goiter. Oddly, he was consulted by a fish hatchery because the fish had developed goiters, and he once again found that giving them iodine reversed the goiters. So in the 1920s, he devised a clinical trial of a thousand schoolgirls in Akron, Ohio, and gave them once again megadose iodine, in this case 200 milligrams, the equivalent of 200,000 micrograms of iodine, and he did indeed see the reversal of goiter in the majority of girls. 
This was the turning point for iodine. It became clear that all these problems, goiter, myxedema, death, coma, all that was due to lack of iodine. The Defiant Health Podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley, makers of delicious grass-fed beef sticks, healthy snack bars, and other products. We are very picky around here and insist that any product we consider has no junk ingredients like maltodextrin, carrageenan, carboxymethylcellulose, sucralose, and of course, no added sugars. And all Paleo Valley products contain no gluten nor grains. In fact, I find Paleo Valley products among the cleanest of any in their category, and they're truly delicious. One of the habits I urge everyone to get into is to include a fermented food product at least once, if not several times per day in their lifestyles. Unlike nearly all other beef sticks available, the Paleo Valley grass-fed beef sticks are all naturally fermented, meaning they contain probiotic bacterial species. And now, Paleo Valley is expanding their Wild Pastures program that provides 100% grass-fed, grass-finished pastured beef and pastured chicken and pork, raised without herbicides or pesticides and raised in the USA. And they've just added wild-caught seafood caught from the waters of Bristol Bay, Alaska. They're now offering a 20% lifetime discount on every order for a limited time. I'll post the web address in the Defiant Health show notes. Shipping for Paleo Valley products is free for orders of $75 or more. For more information or to order, go to paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. Enter the coupon code DEFIANT, not case-sensitive, for a 15% discount to Defiant Health listeners. The web address is also listed in the Defiant Health show notes that accompany this podcast. And be sure to take a look at their other products, such as their organic super greens, rich with phytonutrients, and their super food bars that come in dark chocolate chip, apple cinnamon, and lemon meringue. They're low carb, of course, with eight grams net carbs per bar. The Paleo Valley folks have been busy, recently adding some interesting new products, including chocolate-flavored grass-fed bone broth protein, grass-fed organ complex in capsule form, and for the fall season, pumpkin spice super food bars with grass-fed bone broth protein. And for listeners to the Defiant Health Podcast, you can apply your discount code for a 15% discount. The discount code can be found in the show notes. Once the association was made, that is, the lack of iodine was responsible for the enlargement of the thyroid gland, goiter, as well as many of the phenomena associated with hypothyroidism and myxedema, it became clear that consumption of foods from the ocean, seaweed, seafood, and related things, provided iodine, but that people who lived far away from the ocean were not able to obtain the iodine they needed. Iodine is therefore concentrated in the ocean, occurring at about 50 micrograms of iodine per liter of seawater. Now, of course, if we could drink seawater, we could get our iodine that way, but of course we can't do that because it causes you to be dehydrated and does not properly hydrate you because of the presence of sodium or salt. It's also clear that iodine can evaporate or sublimate into the atmosphere and can fall to the earth in precipitation, and that can deliver some of the iodine present in the ocean into inland areas. But the farther inland you go, the farther away from the ocean, from the coast, the less likely it is that iodine seeps into the soil or iodine falls as precipitation into the land. And so for many years in the U.S., there was an area called the Goiter Belt that included a stretch from essentially coast to coast 
mostly in the northern half of the U.S., that included states like Idaho and Washington State, Missouri and Michigan and Wisconsin and Ohio. These are areas that either are too far away from the ocean or have a mountainous barrier to precipitation coming from the ocean. As a result, before the introduction of supplemental iodine or increased consumption of seafood and seaweed, goiters were rampant. It was not uncommon in the goiter belt, as many as 20% of the adult population showing goiters and as much as 35% of the children showing goiters. It was therefore Dr. Marine's study and subsequent studies confirming this association that prompted the FDA in the U.S. and similar agencies elsewhere in the world to pass a regulation suggesting, not requiring, but suggesting that salt manufacturers add iodine to their salt. They did this because in 1924, about a quarter of the U.S. population was illiterate. There was, of course, no radio, no TV, no internet. So the only way they had to convey this message was to launch a poster campaign and post posters all throughout the country asking people to increase their consumption of iodized salt. So the FDA suggested that iodized salt provide 100 micrograms per gram of salt. Well, this was at a time when people ate about a teaspoon of salt per day or six grams of salt. Now, today, because people are scared of salt, most people get about 3.4 grams per day, and if they only used iodized salt, they'd get about 340 micrograms of iodine per day. Unfortunately, not all salt is iodized, and some people use, for instance, sea salt, which has only trivial quantities, despite coming from the ocean, kosher salt, most are not iodized, and so only about 53% of all table salt is iodized. That has reduced the intake from a variety of sources, down to about a median of 190 micrograms per day. Now, you need to also know that a canister of salt, once opened, tends to lose its iodine. Typically, within about four weeks, there's very little iodine left because it's very volatile, and it just gases off into the air. So, in the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, when people were not afraid of salt, and often did get six grams or a teaspoon per day, and got something like 340 micrograms of iodine per day, that was a rational way to get your iodine, and it did work. It was a very effective public health campaign. It's, even today, iodized salt is regarded as one of the biggest public health success stories of all time. But now that people have become scared of salt due to the FDA's misinterpretation of the evidence and the proliferation of non-iodized salt, and because of the reduced reliance on salt means that a canister of salt can sit on a shelf for months, even years, and has little iodine left. So iodized salt is no longer all that good a choice in getting your iodine. You may know that, in addition to writing books, blogs, and helping to educate people on how to achieve genuine health, I also co-founded a research and development company called Realize Therapeutics Corporation, and I serve as the chief medical officer. I'd therefore like to tell you about a product that I personally formulated that we call Oxyceutics Gut 2 Glow, a combination of ingredients consumed orally for skin health and appearance. It is truly a revolutionary product. There is, to my knowledge, no other product like gut to glow As most of you know, I have been impressed with the skin and other health benefits that develop with replacement of a microbe lost from the gastrointestinal microbiota of most modern people, Lactobacillus roteri. Many of you have successfully cultivated this microbe to high counts as yogurt, but many have also asked for a more convenient way to obtain this important microbe to give you a break from making yogurt 
or for situations such as travel or giving gifts. I listened, but I went several steps further. In addition to providing high counts of Lactobacillus ruteri, we added several components to amplify skin benefits. Marine-sourced collagen hydrolysates, enriched in the dye and tripeptides that exert many of the skin benefits of collagen, including stimulating the deposition of more collagen in the dermal layer of skin. Hyaluronic acid, that increases moisture in the dermal layer of skin and also acts as a prebiotic fiber in the GI tract for additional health benefits. Astaxanthin, a carotenoid relative of beta-carotene, but with greater anti-inflammatory and antioxidative benefits. Gut to Glow is formulated to provide beauty from within, actually adding to skin moisture, smoothness, and an increase in dermal collagen that results, over time, in reduced wrinkle depth. Our preliminary experience suggests that improvements in skin moisture, smoothness, and reduction of wrinkles begins after four weeks, with further improvements over eight to 12 weeks and beyond. I invite you to take a look at some of the results on the OxySudics Gut to Glow website, web address in the show notes. Now, you can get a little bit of iodine from just everyday foods. For instance, there's 25 micrograms of iodine in one egg. So if you have three eggs, you've gotten 75 micrograms. There's also about 75 micrograms in a five-ounce serving of yogurt because the cow, when it feeds, concentrates iodine in its breast tissue and thereby in the milk that's harvested to make yogurt or other dairy products. So a combination, say, of three eggs with some yogurt would give you 150 micrograms, a fairly respectable amount. So given the experience of iodine deficiency causing terrible health problems like goiters, often disfiguring, sometimes compressing the airway and causing suffocation or grotesques on the neck or myxedema and hypothyroidism where people can't function, have congestive heart failure and coma. So it's proven that iodine is essential. It is not an option. It is essential. Everybody needs iodine. Even if you've had your thyroid removed for whatever reason, Breast tissue and salivary glands also concentrate iodine. Breasts in particular really need to have iodine. There's some evidence to suggest that breast tissue that does not receive appropriate quantities of iodine is more prone to fibrocystic disease. And of course, if you're a breastfeeding mom, you want to make sure your baby is getting iodine because all these phenomena can occur in children also, including breastfeeding children. Another interesting fact is that in the entire body, there's only about 15 to 20 milligrams of iodine or 15,000 to 20,000 micrograms. I point this out because there are some people who advocate very high doses of iodine on the order of 30 milligrams, 50 milligrams, 100 milligrams. In other words, more than is present in the entire body, which of course makes no sense. It's a very harmful thing to do. Most of the iodine in the body, about 80% of it is concentrated in the thyroid, reflecting the great dependence of the thyroid gland on iodine. Because the thyroid gland depends on iodine to make the T4 and T3 thyroid hormones. The three and the four refer to the number of iodine atoms per thyroid hormone molecule. So the thyroid gland needs iodine to produce thyroid hormones and not have hypothyroidism. How about the signs of iodine deficiency? So you already know that goiter can be a sign. You can see it. You can often feel it as a kind of a squishy thyroid gland in the front of the neck. On thyroid testing, a high-ish TSH value and a low-ish free T4 be something like this. If an ideal TSH is 2.0 microunits per liter or less, 0.2 to 2.0, let's say your TSH is 2.8 
or 3.1, high-ish TSH, a little above ideal, and a lowish free T4 if the lab says the normal level is between 2.3 and 5.0 micrograms per deciliter, and yours is just below that, let's say 1.9. That combination of a high-ish TSH, a low-ish free T4 is very suggestive that you are deficient in iodine inappropriately cold hands and feet. The thyroid gland is the thermoregulatory organ of the body. If it's out of whack and you're hypothyroid due to lack of iodine, you can have inappropriate thermoregulation, temperature control, and you feel it as inappropriately cold hands and feet. No matter what you do, you can't seem to warm up. Water retention and edema is a big problem when you're low in iodine. You can even see it in your legs. You can see it in blood pressure. Higher blood pressure is often due to lack of iodine. The inability to lose weight. You're doing everything right. Maybe you cut out all wheat and grains and sugars. You're doing all all kinds of other things that just right, but you can't lose weight. A lack of iodine can be a cause. Higher cholesterol values, especially total cholesterol, LDL cholesterol, and triglycerides can be higher. HDL can be lower with iodine deficiency. Coronary disease and congestive heart failure Cardiovascular conditions can be due or amplified by lack of iodine. Slowed mentation. You can't seem to think fast. You can't seem to function, do math, have mind fog. Fibrocystic breast disease, as we've mentioned. And of course, fatigue is very common when you do not have sufficient quantities of iodine. Now, just a word about so-called goitrogens. These are cruciferous vegetables like cabbage, broccoli, kale, cauliflower, and others that if you consume them can block the thyroid by blocking the action of iodine, but that's only true if you're iodine deficient. If you are iodine replete, that is you have been getting iodine, then you should not have to worry about the goitrogenic effect of cruciferous vegetables. So what's the dose of iodine we should all be taking? Well, the RDA, the recommended daily allowance, is 150 micrograms per day. I'm not sure that's true, though, because that number was not arrived at by asking the question, what is the optimal intake of iodine, but mostly asking what level of iodine intake is necessary to not have a goiter. But the ideal or optimal thyroid status may not be the same as not having a goiter. Now, these data are incomplete. I did review the world's literature on dosing of iodine. It really is tough to come to arrive at a a perfect intake of iodine, but several things are clear that there are populations in the world, such as that in coastal areas of Asia, where it's not uncommon to get 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, or more micrograms per day. And they have a lot of problems with iodine toxicity. So I wouldn't follow that idea. It's also become clear that iodine toxicity is reflected by a rise in that TSH test, thyroid stimulating hormone, suggesting that the thyroid is becoming inactive or underactive. So you don't want that to happen. Well, that begins to occur, just gets underway at a dose of 750 micrograms per day supplemental on top of dietary intake. So something around likely 1,000 micrograms per day total intake. So we don't want to see that happen. We don't want people's TSH to rise, thereby induce even mild degrees of hypothyroidism. And it is clear that if you take doses of 1,500 or 2,500 micrograms per day, that does indeed lead to toxicity. Toxicity meaning a rise in TSH and overt hypothyroidism and all the phenomena associated with hypothyroidism, including fatigue, more sleep, water retention, weight gain, which can be significant, higher blood pressure, higher blood sugar, all the problems of hypothyroidism that we want nothing to do with. So 
Iodine toxicity is experienced as hypothyroidism, a rise in TSH blood levels, and sometimes even a goiter. So my review of the evidence suggests that the ideal intake of iodine is somewhere in the neighborhood of about 300 to 350 micrograms per day. Now, you don't have to be precise, just as intake of iodine in a wild diet, getting it from seafood and seaweed. You don't regulate iodine intake closely, right? Nor do you if you're using iodized salt. So you can take, say, kelp tablets or potassium iodide drops and obtain that level of intake without much effort. Now, I would urge you to stay away from some of the high-potency forms of iodine, such as iodorol or Lugol's iodine or some other preparations. So if the rise in TSH begins at a daily intake of 750 micrograms of supplemental iodine per day and is clearly evident at 1,500 and 2,500 micrograms per day, if you're getting 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, as can happen with those high-potency preparations, you're asking for trouble. That is, a rise in TSH hypothyroidism, and a goiter. So my goal in this discussion is to drive home the fact that iodine is not optional. It is in fact critical for long-term health, that getting it right can reward you with many beneficial effects and not falling into traps such as conversations about high-dose iodine. Now, if you learned something from my Defiant Health podcast, I invite you to subscribe through your favorite podcast directory Post a comment, post a review, tell your friends. We're all trying to build this community of those of us who want to be empowered in health without relying on the healthcare system. Thanks for listening.